0: I got a highball, the energy drink they sell at Whole Foods. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. The
1: off-brand Lacroix. Uh, it's Lacroix for dirtbags.
0: Welcome to your wrong about the show. Wait. <laughs> Welcome to Your Wrong About, a podcast hosted by two people with complimentary anxieties.
1: Are you just saying that because that's what we were talking about like 10 seconds ago?
0: I mean, it's partly, but also it's, it's I would say it's true generally. I agree. <laughs> yes. I would say that we're both highly concerned about various aspects of making this show and life, but in a way that allows us to come together and, and balance, you know, the way that Thor and, and the raccoon balance. <laughs> Thor, and I'm I'm Thor, and you're you're Bradley Cooper.
1: Yeah, I was wondering
0: who was going to be who in that scenario. Okay, I'm, you, we both know I'm Thor. We, <laughs> you you know that I wear shawl collar sweaters to signify the fact that I'm at peace with myself. <laughs>
1: I'm Michael Hobbs. I'm a reporter for The Huffington Post.
0: I'm Sarah Marshall, and I'm working on a book about the satanic panic.
1: So I guess as our listeners can tell from the slightly shaggy opening to this, that this episode is a little bit different than usual. Uh We did our first live show last week, and this is going to be that live show. And we're still loopy. (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
0: And, we're, and we we want to talk about what it was like uh, for those of you who, who weren't able to
1: join us, although it did feel like you were there in spirit. It really did. Yeah. I mean, I think it wouldn't be a You're Wrong About episode if we didn't talk about how weird we feel about something that we've done. Our feelings. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well,
0: the weirdness here is that I don't feel weird about it, oh. which is weird for me, right? The yeah. weirdness is that I don't feel weird. I feel fine. And I really enjoy doing it. And essentially, we performed this at XOXO, which is this really wonderful, inclusive festival mm-hmm. for independent online creators. Yeah, it was great. And before we get into the experience of doing the show, yeah, what was your experience at the festival like?
1: Fabulous. I mean, I... I think you can kind of tell in the recording that, like, I was pretty nervous because I've never done anything like this before.
0: I could tell you were nervous in the first, like, 45 seconds, but then it felt like you you didn't sound so nervous after that. I didn't really hear nerves in your
1: voice. I was tense, and then I basically just went limp and blacked out, so I don't actually remember much of the performance. <laughs> I don't remember that much of it either. But I think the reason I was nervous the day of and the reason I feel weird about live shows generally Is that there's a very limited Mm -hmm. way that audiences can communicate to performers, right? That like an audience can boo, an audience can clap. An audience can yeah. laugh. There's a couple other ones, like you mentioned backstage, the one in old sitcoms where they'd be like, ooh, like if somebody insults somebody else's mom.
0: Did, that was more of a ghost noise. It's, ooh. <laughs> you know, it's like when there's the suggestion that maybe the the parents are going to have sex tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> the severs are going to get it on.
1: Well, I mean, this is my thing, is that is that I think, you know, as a member of a crowd, the only messages that you can send are like very Very basic, right? It's basically like thumbs up, thumbs down, ha ha.
0: Withering silence.
1: Yeah, I mean, what I was nervous about the day of was that, like, you become the kind of show that just does, like, zingy one-liners or, like, sort of hacky jokes or, like, you start gearing yourself toward what will elicit a reaction from an audience which is different mm-hmm. than what will elicit a reaction from like someone who's doing the dishes or just a podcast mm-hmm. listener who's kind of listening to it in the background as they do their commute or mm-hmm. something.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's you're right. I haven't thought about that. But if we're doing it just the way we're doing it now, both sitting in our closets yes. today because there's leaf blowing yes. happening outside of your building for some unknown reason. You know, then like we can be speaking to a much broader range of moods maybe and I think of our listeners as being like someone driving across North Dakota in the middle of the night, you know? (laughs) And uh, you're right. It narrows narrows the emotional range of it, maybe.
1: And also I'm used Hmm. to having you as my audience, right? Like I'm used to saying things that like jokes that I think you will find funny or details that I think will resonate Uh. with you. Whereas broadening that out, like the goal to a large group of however many people were there is like, well, you have to go to a more broad kind of place, right? Because I know like the little satanic details that you will really like, whereas a crowd of a couple hundred people, I don't know what like is going to catch them, so i I have to do something like really broad, right. so it's like it's like the intellectual equivalent of slapstick,
0: yeah, well, I don't know i think I think that I in ways that only suggest I'm less i I have less of a history of emotional stability than you. <laughs> I am more used to being
1: a performer. <laughs> well, none of this, I mean, none of this, like, means anything, right? I mean, this is all just, like, the tape that was playing in my head the day of.
0: No, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything, but it's just interesting. And I just think it's, it's nice to, to let people in on this
1: process. It's also interesting because our, like, mental experiences of the live show are so different. Because mine was, we had to be done at exactly 745. And so the way that we were sitting, there was a clock right behind Sarah,
0: which I couldn't see. And I didn't know yeah. if, it, if it was there, or if you could see it. So a few times I was like, sort of whipping my head around yeah. like a
1: horse. Yeah. But I like every time I looked at you really intently, I was actually looking at the clock really. intently.
0: <laughs> oh, now you tell
1: me. <laughs> And just thinking of like, oh shit! I have forty five pages of notes.
0: So you made my mom print out.
1: (laughs) And so I think, I mean, if you listen to the recording, I am speaking really fast. Part of that is because I want to hit the time mark, and then part of that is just because that's who I am as a person. Yeah, you talk fast because you're excited about things. Yes, I, I mean, there's also there's also that in there. So I mean, I also want to say that like. I'm like doing the thing that I always do with like ruining something that was fundamentally good. Like I had a really great time at the live show. I wasn't nervous once we started. You're
0: you're not ruining it. You're just adding a, you're doing your Great British Bake Off thing and adding a, an icing of pure anxiety, which will only improve the whole over. Because I think you know, I just say so. Like the anxiety really throws it into high relief. I just love this. This is well done. Well done, Michael.
1: So I, I don't know. I should probably stop. Ruining ruining it now. But I think that's like all the context for the performance. I should also say that there's, we had a couple of visuals, like I don't know, four or five slides or something in the live show. And there's one right at the beginning where it says the wardrobe malfunction, where we didn't actually say it out loud, but you'll just have to use context clues.
0: Yeah. I guess that's what people are going woo about. Yeah. that's <laughs> what, yeah. I'm excited to hear what, what people think of this version of the show. Yeah. And also that as I continue to to drag... Michael out into my own <laughs> comfort zone perhaps <laughs> a little more I, you know if you would like us to come to your town then let us know and I will try and
1: drag Mike there Hi everybody Can everybody we hear us okay? Uh, so welcome to You're Wrong About uh, The show
0: where we're in front of a live audience for the first time ever. Hi everybody Hi Hi uh,
1: so, for those of you who don't listen to the show, Andy mentioned we go through some things that are a little bit misremembered and a little bit you, those things that you kind of remember, but like you don't really remember the details. You're like, wasn't that person shitty? But like wasn't that they're a not thing? actually that shitty. It um, was like there was a bimbo and there yes. was a car chase. There's always a bimbo somehow. It's
0: a bimbo. It's always a bimbo. Um,
1: and so the way that it works is we sort of switch off where I research one week and then Sarah researches the other week. This makes it much easier for us to have two weeks to research each episode. So it's my turn this week and we're going to be walking you guys through an event that is misremembered and I think it's worth talking about what actually happened and how we got it wrong. Mhm, which is I know there's some people here who like aren't from the United States. This this phrase means nothing to them. This I, I photo means nothing. I to them. I wouldn't jump to conclusions,
0: <laughs> even though there's an X right here and that's exactly <laughs> what it's for.
1: So, uh, Sarah, do you want to walk us through exactly? I'm going to tell you, you what think I think happened? I
0: remember because you have been discussing this with all of my friends around me this weekend. Yes, with everyone I mean, like, but you. And pss, 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 pss. <laughs> And I'm not, I'm supposed to stay in the dark, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I remember from when it happened. It was 2004? Yes. Okay. It was the Super Bowl, which I did not watch because I was a 15 year old girl. So at the moment this happened, I was probably writing Newsies fan fiction. Thank you. <laughs> And my understanding is that Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson were doing the halftime show, and at the time it was like, wow, Janet Jackson, a living legend, is appearing with this guy who I remember for having cornrows once in the 90s. (laughs) And he ripped off the cup of her... Bustier. Bustier. Her beautiful, I think, looks kind of latex
1: bustier. Mm -hmm. A word that we all use all the time, obviously. And it corresponded
0: with a lyric he was singing, and then they went to black, so it was like, is it planned? Is it on purpose? Yes. And then it was just, it was, and my parents got both Time and Newsweek at the time, and it was in both of them (laughs) for several weeks, so that that was the metric for news. And um, I just remember that, like, her career just kind of was tainted by that, and that the... Network was fine, or the NFL was fine, and everyone was kind of like Janet, mm-hmm. like women do, <laughs> strolled along and ruined all our lives for yes. no reason. Yes. So I'm guessing, based on the 55 previous episodes we have done. <laughs> <laughs> That it was not entirely the woman's fault. <laughs> not entirely.
1: Spoilers. We're already what? spoiling this. We can leave now. Um, okay, so what happened? So I think the first thing to mention is, you know, for people that didn't grow up in the United States, how big of a deal this was. Janet Jackson was the most searched, like, person, item, term on the Internet for two years. Not the year this happened, for two years. She is, to this day, the most tivo event in history <laughs> until now. <laughs> TiVo subscriptions. TiVo was new. This was 2004. So TiVo was like a new, sexy, cool thing. This
0: reminds me of a conversation I was having with your boyfriend right before we started doing this show where I was like, we were listening to a Bright Eyes song that was playing in the bar. And I was like, I remember hearing this when I was shopping at Urban Outfitters. And I was like, that was a time capsule of a sense. Yes. <laughs> and so is that. The most Tivoed event.
1: Yes. It was also sponsored by AOL. I feel like it's like a hoo-hoo of a bunch of things that we all feel weird about now. Uh, who's not? Uh, so uh-huh. it's also the founder of YouTube c- credits this event with the inspiration for YouTube. That after the bustier is pulled off of oh my God. Janet's, Janet's. Lo- after Justin Timberlake rips the bustier off, he was trying to search on the internet. The internet was also young at that time, and he thought. I wanna see this boob again. I wish, I wish there was a website where I could go see that boob again. And he says that he started coding that night to create YouTube. Now- pe- Why did we make, make up- that
0: social network movie yeah. when we could've made a movie about a loner guy like seeing Kenneth Jackson's boob for a second being like, there's got to be a
1: better way.
0: <laughs> what if we could connect horny young guys with boobs at any time?
1: And another thing, and I think a much bigger legacy of this, and we will get into the reasons for this, is that after this event, the next six hosts of the Supertime, or Super Bowl halftime show... Supertime half-bowl. Supertime half-bowl half show. Uh, the, what's interesting is that, and I think this, I mean, obviously looking back, this is not a coincidence, but the next six performers at the halftime show were all male, uh-huh. and five of them were white. And so this speaks to, we're beginning to get to sort of what is the actual legacy of this event and how big of a deal it was. So the way that it happened, as many things do, it all started with CBS trying to reach a younger demographic. (laughs) Because we have all forgotten about this now, but the Super Bowl halftime show for decades was a marching band. Really? It was like not hot shit. It was like this completely random thing, and it was just like like. Oftentimes, they would talk over it. It was super po dunk. There's one in the early '90s. They used to organize it around a theme, and so I went on Wikipedia and I looked at all the old themes, and they're awesome. The uh, one of them in the 1990s was a tribute to the cartoon Peanuts. What? <laughs> Peanuts, great. There was one called a Nation of Tapestries that was narrated by Edward James Olmos. Yes
0: the wardrobe malfunction, the Peanuts fan people were like, remember when we just played a bunch of... <laughs> I want to say Lombardi, but that's the Packers coach. Yes. The Peanuts guy. Remember they didn't when we did that? Delay. No one yeah. got hurt. I don't know why they changed it.
1: <laughs> and so... Up till now, now they just do like the Beyonce show, right? Like they don't have themes anymore. But even in 2004, they still had themes for the halftime show. And the sort of idea, which everyone kind of had almost abandoned at that point, was that everything is based around a theme. So the 2004 halftime show was based around the theme of choose it or lose it. And so it began with. Which was sounds.
0: This based on, no, because the election had. Ha- no, was it was an election. Ele- it was election
1: year. Yes. Oh. So it began with a PSA of Tom Cruise and Julia Roberts telling all the kids out there to vote. And Tom
0: and Cruise then, was standing on an apple crate. Yes. And then,
1: <laughs> uh, and then it sort of it, it did this whole thing of like you have to choose to vote, choosing all of this, and then it smash cuts to Jessica Simpson. And she says, but also, Houston, don't forget to choose to party. And then it <laughs> zooms out, and then she's full, like, the whole stadium is full of a marching band. We event. grew up, I know everyone thinks this, but we grew up in the most
0: embarrassing time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so basically, the whole show, the whole gambit with CBS was this old fuddy-duddy network. They had hired MTV to get a younger demographic for this show. So, the, the whole purpose of this was to try to make the Super Bowl cool again and to try to get the audiences that the advertisers really want. So, for this halftime show, they had Kid Rock, they had Nellie, they had Puff Daddy, they had just name anyone who is like kind of embarrassing now and they <laughs> probably performed. Kelly at Osborne. This thing. <laughs> she was the MC, actually, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so basically, like, you know, ordinarily on a show like this, because normally we record for three hours and then we edit it down to an hour, so normally we would talk about the performance for, like, a long time because people have literally written PhDs on how all of the backup dancers for all the performances were white until Janet Jackson started performing. And there's all kinds of, like, weird fascinating like racial semiotic yes. stuff happening and also just labor rights y- right sure why what because if you're a back because <laughs> if you're
0: a backup dancer type person mm-hmm. and there's a kind of a network kibosh on dancers of color and then mm-hmm. someone comes along who's a headliner act and it's like i don't i would like to hire
1: mm-hmm.
0: dancers who are not all white to dance with me actually then that
1: changes things potentially you Yes. Know? yes sure <laughs> just, say, just say labor rights, and I'll agree every time. All yes. right. labor yes. rights. Labor yeah. rights, That's yes. it. Labor yeah. rights, Labor yes. rights, Okay, Did good. Yep. Labor uh-huh. rights, yes. Hi-oh. Um, and so what's really interesting is, you know, after, you know, it kind of, it goes normally, there's a quote from Puff Daddy later who says, you know, a lot of us performed and thought really hard about our performance for months before this, and nobody ever talks about us anymore. Hmm. So the real victims <laughs> of all of this... Or Puff Daddy, Kid Rock, and Nellie, who nobody talks about. Uh,
0: but what's uh, interesting... Kid Rock is, is being talked about sufficiently. That's true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is that the, the narrative afterwards will be that Janet Jackson did this to revive her failing career. That's sort of right. the narrative that everybody talks about. However, when we go to the tape... She was at the top of her career at the time, so her previous album had sold nine million copies. She had just starred in The Nutty Professor Two, which Aww. again, things we feel weird about now.
0: No, I, I still like The Nutty Professor. And it, like, I haven't it's, seen it in a while,
1: though. It was like a four hundred million dollar movie, like it's a huge opening. She was dating apparently Matthew McConaughey Ooh. at the time, so like, she was like doing well. <laughs> yeah, I am, you know, this is fine.
0: Uh, So she wakes up in the morning, it's like January 2004, she's like, I am Janet Jackson and Matthew McConaughey is doing crunches on my terrace, (laughs) and I'm, things are going right for me. I hope a bunch of 60-year-old white men don't blame me for something I didn't do.
1: (laughs) And so basically, the the performance goes off sort of normally, she comes out, the last two minutes she plays All For You and Rhythm Nation, everything goes fine, and then Justin Timberlake rises from the stage, which again, PhDs are written on this, they love this stuff. Wait, does
0: he like come out of like a, like a platform comes up, or does he like, he's lying down and he sits up like Michael Myers? It's like when you used to go to the bank
1: and you'd have that little tube thing that shoots it to yeah, the yeah, tower. Okay, That's what he yeah, yeah, okay, So of, they have yes. a pneumatic tube. Yes. So he comes out of the stage and they start singing Rock Your Body, which <laughs> for those of you who remember that not terrific song, but it's a song. It ends with the line, I'm going to have you naked by the end of this song. Mm-hmm. And so I have a couple slides. There's them singing. <laughs> she doesn't do a whole lot. I want everybody to look at the outfit that she has on. See how it's sort of like ringed? With the mm-hmm. little buttons there
0: mm-hmm.
1: This is the moment right before they're standing Very close to each other mm-hmm. Look at her face Uh huh. She's like already tired of what is about to happen For the next <laughs> six months She's like oh this is going to suck This
0: is like the VJ Day kiss analysis Where you're like oh that nurse didn't want
1: to be jumped Yes she, I'm not going to show the actual breast Because I feel like she's been through enough So we're just going to go and to so he- is Janet Yeah <laughs> It's called a Way homer. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of reaches over, if you watch the footage, and I want, like, I've done some Zapruder film analysis on this, and <laughs> it's very clear that it's, like, it's a deliberate act because when he reaches over, you can see one finger is out. So, like, he knows exactly sort of where to pull to get this, one of her sort of breast pieces to come off, right? So for those of you who didn't see it, the breast piece comes off. She has a sort of nipple ring thing over it, but sort of also like you can kind of see her nipple through it. It's like technically a nipple ring, but it's really large. Which I saw a picture
0: of that when this happened, and I was like, do
1: adults just, do they just do that? Yeah, they just have <laughs> that all the time. And so it is shown on TV for 9 16ths, of a second it is a a little over half a second they were and it's one of those things where i mean this is why it's so t-vote is because it's one of those things where no one really knew what happened right it's so fast and the internet doesn't exist in a place where you can sort of figure out what happened and so what's amazing is you know if they had cut to the fireworks half a second earlier like there wouldn't have been any Hmm. of this right it's only this sort of accident that we saw this tiny little glimpse of it immediately she covers herself up Justin Timberlake says later that he covered her with a towel, which there's no evidence of. Why would he have a towel? Exactly. Like, what? What? I'm, I'm confused. So there's this event of, like, what actually happened. The human species may perish from the earth and not completely know because they're... It's one of those events where everyone says everyone else is lying. So the networks, MTV, CBS, both say they had no idea. They didn't do it in dress rehearsal. They had experimented with something in dress rehearsal where, like, because, you know, the, the last line of the song is going to have you naked by the end of the song. So, like, something has to happen. So, apparently, they tried it. She was wearing, like, a leather, like, this really cool leather kilt-looking thing, and they had tried it where he, like, rips it off of her, but it's too heavy, and he, like, couldn't lift it. So, it was him, like, lifting, like, a gallon of milk, and she's like, oh. Aww. And it like, didn't, it, like, didn't look sexy. Little
0: baby hands. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so the, the, the theory that the networks put out is that they had sort of played around with this idea of doing something. Then they had decided, like, ah, we're just not going to do anything. Say the line, cut to fireworks, whatever. Then we have the stylists. There's a guy in Houston who says he made the nipple ring custom for her. And it like another person. It's like was the like,
0: guy in seven who's like, yeah, this guy <laughs> came in.
1: <laughs> but like it's not clear if that's sort of corroborated. There's a tailor who says that he altered the dress. Apparently, what was supposed to happen, see the red, the red sort of thing underneath it? What was supposed to happen was the leather was supposed to come off, hmm. leaving this like flame red fabric underneath it. There's sort of the Zapruder film analysis is sort of people have questioned like if you have this giant nipple ring on, why would you have like a large red thing well, over it? Like, you have
0: the nipple ring on because you had the large ring over it because you needed to keep it, you know, as nippular as possible. Yes,
1: the nippularity was paramount. Yes. Yeah. So I still don't know it's exactly. It's mitigating. What happened. Yes. She, what's interesting is she, Janet Jackson, the next day, takes full responsibility. She says, nobody else knew about this but me and Justin. We mm-hmm. planned it. But then two years later on Oprah, she says, that's not true. I shouldn't have apologized for the whole thing. But she didn't give any details. Justin Timberlake the next day, and this is so fascinating to me, that like throughout this whole thing, he's never evil. He's just totally clueless. Right? That this all is a theme th- on our program. Yes. He, what he does afterwards is he, he has this sort of, like, happy-go-lucky sort of thing. So he shows up on, I think it was, like, Evening Magazine or, like, something, Access Tonight. Yeah, something. Evening
0: Magazine, Access Tonight. Something.
1: And so he says, he sort of, he just kind of skates over the surface of this thing where he's just kind of like, well, you know, you guys wanted something to talk about. We gave you something to talk about. Right? Like, he doesn't have any sort of uh, explanation, any, like, sort of thought process that goes into this necessarily. But what's really interesting is almost immediately the narrative that forms is that she planned it. She engineered this entire thing to get publicity. So this is one of the... This is in the New York Daily... or uh, the, I think it's the Post, or no, Daily News. I want everybody to look at the subhead there. Millions view her peep show. So this is what a lot of the organizational actors started saying immediately afterwards was that not only is it sort of a planned thing but it's a one person like it is a janet joint like it is something that she planned the head of the fcc says i'll bet she got what she wanted out of all this what the yes the the head of the nfl says she had to have engineered it And this, there's also one, um, the Chicago Tribune calls it Janet's booby-licious halftime. Like, this was, like, the level of, like, sophistication that we were dealing with in the immediate aftermath. Also
0: note, they played a game, question mark? (laughs) So I have a question. Is this something that the people... I mean, obviously, if you air the game, you don't make any extra money off of it because no one knows it's going to happen.
1: I mean, this is right? this is why... None of the theories of this event make any sense to me because I don't think she was like, I'll make more money if I show my boob." Like, I live in America. Like, obviously, I should do this and everybody will like me, right? Like, it, it right. doesn't seem like... I mean, my personal theory that I have no evidence for is... She, Go on. <laughs> is that, like, you know, people show up at, like, awards shows with, like, a pasty on, like, just over their nipple, but they have something, like, really revealing otherwise. And I thought... I, again, I have no evidence, but I think it's something along the lines of, like, she thought people would treat it as, like, a pasty, right? Hmm. That people would see, like, well, there's something covering nipple, hmm. right? Because when you look at the photos, it looks like it's covering the nipple. It doesn't look like it's, like it's not a bare breast, right? So in my head, the logic is kind of like, well, it's going to be sort of shocking, but it's still like, like little Kim at the Grammys or whatever, right? Like people hmm. have done this before.
0: As a, as a human woman, <laughs> I, I would like to put forth that I am aware that my nipples are considered of such interest to society that, like, if I were to expose even the tiniest part of them, people would lose their minds, yeah. not in a sexual way, in a think of the children way,
1: yes, right. Well, this is why it doesn't this is why it doesn't make any sense to me, right? like it I, I can't think of an explanation for this where it's like that's the thing, right? right. Like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense from anybody's perspective whatsoever so it's again like the human species may perish from the earth without us knowing exactly what happened what's really interesting afterwards so this is this is sort of representative of like the the right wing sort of like she's bad boobs are bad women shouldn't show their boobs like this is very like when you read the old like in lexus nexus the old like right wing response to the halftime show it's really boring it's just like she's bad whatever what's really interesting is the sort of left wing response to it. So there's a bunch of columns that are published in the New York Times that are basically like, well, what did you expect? Right? That like, one of them says like, well, Janet Jackson has been closer and closer to showing her boobs for her entire career. What? Right? Because she's getting like, it's like this whole thing of like, you know, women are showing more things and like bare midriffs and like kids are on their phones.
0: Society and fashion are changing. It's Janet Jackson.
1: Exactly. And it's sort of like the, the, the real, like the woke, opinion on this at the time was like who you really should blame is like the corporate overlords because by scheduling Janet Jackson like you know she's going to show her boob what? right like this thing <laughs> that has never happened before that like it's not clear how she would benefit from she's definitely going to do that but like the real fault is with the NFL so this is sort of like these are the. This is the spectrum of opinion They're on like, Janet don't Jackson.
0: don't hire a professional performer from a family of professional performers <laughs> if you want her to like not do something wildly inappropriate. That's exactly. expecting too much.
1: It's like very, very, very savvy, right? This is like the savvy opinion of the time. And so, what starts to happen is we only actually get the real explanation for this like ten years later. But almost immediately, Janet sort of falls off of the face of the earth. Yeah, what the, happened to Janet? What happened to
0: Matthew McConaughey? Did he stand by
1: her <laughs> during this? <laughs> like Justin Timberlake, like he has done very well in this whole thing. Yeah. He's upside down somewhere doing sit-ups. Uh <laughs> he's doing sit-ups in the hall. Yeah. <laughs> but so she, like, the reason that she did this was because she had an album coming out. Her album comes out a couple weeks later. It's her lowest selling album since 1984.
0: Wait, I have a, i have a prediction. Okay. Okay. Did people buy it so that they could performatively destroy it? Like, no, they we didn't it Dex- wasn't that. Chicks. I
1: mean by this point, the sort of the, the nation's attention had sort of moved on. But what's interesting is her, you know, this album comes out and just sort of like disappears into the ether, right? Like people don't really buy it. For some reason, like MTV and VH1 don't play any videos off of it. Like, even though she's a huge artist and she just played the Super Time Supertime Half-Bowl show. Uh, <laughs> And you think that they would be excited to play something off. And also controversy, like, the whole argument is that controversy brings money, So,
0: again, it's one of the, we've also, spoiler, done maybe ten stories in the past where it's like, this woman connived to get all of this attention. And it's like, well, all of the attention, like, ruined her life, so (laughs) your theory is that she was a genius mastermind who was like, I am going to destroy my entire life. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So genius mastermind Janet Jackson essentially disappears. Like, the radio stations aren't playing it. There's This is, like, the most petty shit. They do a tribute, like, a tribute video thing at the 2016 Super Bowl where they show, like, clips from all the marching bands and, like, the Peanuts tribute and all this kind of stuff. And fucking Janet isn't in there. So, like, she has been completely erased from like all of these institutions, they're just like we don't want. And they like... thought
0: everyone would be like, "Oh yeah, I guess nothing happened between 2003 and 2005." Exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: and so basically, she completely disappears. What's What's really interesting about this is that we didn't learn this until last year. So do you know who Les Moonves is? Yeah. Yes. Boo. No. <laughs> you are right about Les Moonves. We're not going to do like a "You're wrong about Les Moonves." Um, <laughs> Wait, I
0: know. Les Moonves is the
1: character on 30 Rock
0: who's a guy with a moon (laughs) vest who Kenneth tells his ideas to.
1: (laughs) So Les Moonves, yes, yes, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Do you know who he is? I
0: know that he's a man at CBS who has done very bad things. Yes,
1: 12 Allegations of sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. After those twelve, we have Sybil Shepherd says that her show was canceled from Moonlighting. CBS.
0: Moonlighting. No, other no? other than Sybil. Oh, Sybil. After But he, also I think he said stuff about like he gave her crap about moonlighting in some way. Or maybe I made that up. Moonlight is made important. That up. Did to you me. dream it? You might have dreamt. It. I dreamt it. I <laughs> had a dream. Go on. Yes. Uh, well, so, that's terrible. Sybil Shepherd deserves so, only good things.
1: Right? And she apparently he hit on her and she was like, no. Mr. Moonves and he canceled her show and there's also this is really dark the you know E. Jean Carroll who accused Trump of raping her Mm -hmm. she says that Les Moonves sexually assaulted her in an elevator And this is, like, on top of the other 12. This is like
0: people who survive multiple mass shootings, like if
1: you've been assaulted by multiple, like, famous terrible men. I mean, this is, like, Harvey-level terribleness. And so what's really interesting is what we find after all of this is happening, his career is tanking at CBS, he gets pushed out eventually. What we learn is apparently after this event, he became obsessed with Janet Jackson. So from anonymous leaks that we have from inside of CBS, apparently the Grammys were a week after the Super Bowl and both Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson were scheduled to show up at the Grammys. He shows up, he wins a bunch of awards, she doesn't go. And it's always kind of been like, how did this happen? Like, did she bow out because of the bad publicity or like, was she pushed out? It turns out what Les, or what these leaks from CBS say is that Justin Timberlake called Les Moonves and personally apologized in tears uh-huh. for the event, and the head of CBS, Les Moonves, said, "You can go to the Grammys, I it's fine." I'm just a little
0: boy band boy. Yeah,
1: and so he's mad because Janet Jackson didn't call him personally to apologize. Now, she apologized in a written statement. She also filmed a video apology that was played on all of the networks, but, but he wanted didn't a personal call him in tears and yeah. you
0: have to crawl, you know, yeah. on your hands and knees to somebody. And that's, I mean
1: that's basically what he wanted, right? That he she had a bad attitude And so she had done this, right? She planned it, orchestrated, like whatever stereotypes he had in his head. And so he went out of his way to cancel everything that was happening. He was the one that blacklisted her from the Grammys. And a really important aspect of this is media consolidation because CBS, MTV, VH1, all owned by Viacom. So if CBS was just this random company with this random CEO who doesn't like Janet Jackson... Who cares if the head of CBS doesn't like judges? Doesn't Janet mean Jackson, right?
0: MTV can't do what they want, and they take a chainsaw to TVs. So we don't.
1: <laughs> so we like I want to be very clear that like we don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes. These are anonymous leaks, so we don't exactly know. Cetera,
0: and so forth but, may cause anal leakage.
1: Well we don't I mean to me it's like there are things that people do that are controversial that do not destroy their careers, right? So you can imagine a scenario in which yes, Janet Mel Jackson Gibson
0: did this. has done fifty of them. I,
1: no. <laughs> And Les Moonves has done 50 of them, too, right? Like, they're, uh, this is not something, it's not inevitable that this had to kill her career. The one that really gets to me is seven years after the Super Bowl, Simon & Schuster tries to publish a memoir of Janet Jackson. Guess who Simon & Schuster is owned by? Oh,
0: my God. So
1: Les Moonves, it comes out, but Les Moonves tries to have the editor fired <gasps> for printing a book. And he says how one of the quotes in this article with all these leaks is how the fuck did this get through right that everyone knew janet was off
0: don't they know i'm king of media
1: (laughs) (laughs) and so it's this is this is one of the things that actually explains it this this didn't have to kill her career necessarily but someone killed it
0: it was engineered. It's like we had, because you get this false narrative, it's like, well, you know, she was a bad lady. Yeah. And then naturally, everyone stopped wanting to listen to her music or see her on TV, and she evaporated. Yeah. yeah because that was a law of nature. And it's like, no, this one
1: guy. Yeah, this one, I don't want to say a bad word, but like uh, this one
0: This duty, one duty crumbum.
1: bum. <laughs> And so I think, I mean, I think it's worth thinking about because no one had sort of put this theory forward. Like, it sounds like a Baroque conspiracy theory, right? Of like, there's one man and like the corporate parents and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you get to the details in this and you're like, holy shit, like that, mean, that is actually what happened.
0: It doesn't sound that weird because I think what we've also realized is these, you know, serial sexual harassers and assaulters have been, you know, unmasked over and over again is that people who go to great lengths to, con- to conceal their crimes are also able to kind of manipulate situations and often do in all sorts of other yeah. ways. And that this kind of like, you know, and that we have this kind of romance and glamour of like, it used to be that America was run by eight men and they were all bastards, but they were <laughs> geniuses and it was great. And one of right. them was John Hamm or something. Yes. And, <laughs> and now it's like, you know, being manipulative and having no sense of ethics, like, actually might affect your behavior outside of business. And the fact yeah. that we're finding all these puppeteers at the stage, like,
1: the say something. Yeah, the, and the same misogyny that directs you to, like, a sexually assault someone in an elevator also directs you to do other things that are not as... That are like not as obvious as that. Career
0: out of spite because yes. she didn't apologize to you, or she did apologize to you, but she didn't grovel. Yeah,
1: she didn't really apologize. Yeah. yeah, but this is this is this is not this is only the first half of the you're wrong about. So oh. the second thing that explains this, the aftermath of this, the this real aftermath. This is the aftermath. sauce that it comes with. Yes, because this didn't just affect Janet Jackson, right? This affected lots of other things. So after the Super Bowl halftime show. There are 540,000 complaints to the FCC, right? This is one of the numbers that always bounces around about this event. It's the most complained about event in US history. Like the year before they had gotten something like Dear
0: FCC, yeah. my family will never be the same."
1: I mean, 99 what we find out later is that 99% of those complaints came via the Parents Television Council. So this is one of these right-wing organizations that figured out in the late 1990s a loophole in the FCC's mandate. So the way that most government agencies work, I feel like people don't know this, but like OSHA and stuff, is like they don't, like, the FCC doesn't, like, watch TV and be like, that's problematic and, like, I'm going to go give you a fine. They respond to complaints. Oh. So... Every single time that somebody complains about something. They're controlled by the public. Exactly. And so it's like, it's nice to sort of have this kind of like everything you complain about gets an investigation, right? Like this is a good thing. However, the loophole is that what if you just complain about stupid shit all the time right like you can hijack an organization by just sending them the same complaints over stupid stuff
0: what if you complain about stuff that wasn't actually offensive or profane but was suggesting
1: an immoral lifestyle i mean that's never happened so that's don't worry it's all it all all turns out fine yeah this is great and so basically, at the beginning of the 2000s, the Parents Television Council, Moral Majority, all these other Christian right groups start getting really good at working the FCC to up its fines. And so once George W. Bush comes in in 2000, the first year of the Bush administration, the FCC gives out $48,000 in fines. By 2004, they're giving out $8 million in fines. So the FCC completely transforms during this period into the smut police, right? Like, (laughs) Janet Jackson... To the to the Parents Television Council and these other far right groups was a gift, right? Because she gets people really mobilized. Hmm. You can say, like, look at look at how the country is falling apart. Look at how our morals. She's the are Al degraded. Capone to their Elliot Ness. Exactly. So the year after this happens, the minimum Thank fine. Thank you for laughing. <laughs> 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 I got one. Uh, so the year after this happens, the maximum fine for obscenity goes from $30,000 a year or from $30,000 per instance to 325,000 per instance, 10 times greater. Wow. And one of the things we've all completely forgotten about the whole Janet Jackson thing is that this case was tied up in court until 2012. <laughs> And the reason why it was tied up in court is because what happened? Because the the networks are saying we didn't know about this, right? So it's not fair to give us a five hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine for something we didn't plan, we didn't know about it in advance. So it's it's what's called fleeting indecency. Where it's like it's <laughs> it's quick. I know it's a good. That's it's gonna
0: like, be my Fleetwood Mac tribute
1: band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Basically, it makes no sense, right? That, like, there's all these other fleet instances of fleeting indecency. There's one where... Uh Bono of U2 wins a Grammy and he sort of lifts it up and he says, this is fucking brilliant. Ah, And it's one of those things where it's like, its I guess it's obscene, but it's not like, he's not using it in...
0: He's just swearing in a general kind of way. It's just an
1: intensifier, it's not. And also, you know, the network didn't know in advance, blah, blah, blah. But so what the Parents Television Council and these other groups are pushing the FCC to do is to fine stations for fleeting indecency. So even if they didn't know even if it was only on the screen for half a second, Hmm. even if it doesn't have any particularly moral content, they should still be getting fines for it. So what happens after the Janet Jackson incident is this huge chilling effect where all of the networks, because of the greater fines, because of these activated Christian right groups, get super nervous. So one of, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like uh, ER stopped showing butts. ER used to show lots of butts, and, like, uh, NYPD so Blue used to show butts, yes, so they stopped. I,
0: mean, I remember wondering. I knew that NYPD Blue had shown butts, and I was like, mm-hmm. where have all the butts gone? What's yeah, like that? exactly.
1: <laughs> that's, that's where. Janet Jackson. But
0: then the whole point of HBO and the reason people bought it was because it was... Because they could H- show butts. Because yeah. it's not TV. We show butts. Yes. It's not TV. It's <laughs> butts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another one that I think is really telling is... There's an episode of The O.C. where the FCC will not tell you in advance if it's going to give you a fine. It's weird. They're like, that would be censorship. We'll just see if, like, the Christians complain, and then, like, (laughs) then they'll fine you afterwards. So all of the networks get really nervous. So Fox has an episode of The O.C., again, things we feel weird about now...
0: It's a time capsule. We have yes. to love the
1: past or it controls us. Where Fox, there's a, there's a scene of two people having sex, and Fox ends up editing out the woman having an orgasm, uh-huh. but leaves in the man having an orgasm, right? Is it teens
0: or is it the grown-ups?
1: I, I don't know. The teens
0: who are played by 25-year-olds or the grown-ups
1: who are played by 35-year-olds? All of the time I spent watching that show is blacked out. <laughs> Uh, there's also one and this is a thing because we're running out of time so I have to end with this one but the one that I think is super fascinating and shows like the political project that was happening was there's a thing where ABC wanted to show Saving Private Ryan on Veterans Day right like it's our history they weren't going to edit it they weren't going to show ads it was like going to be this big thing like we're going to show it in its entirety Twenty. ABC stations, this is the same year as the Super Bowl incident. 20 ABC stations refused to run it because they're afraid of FCC fines because of the swearing. So it's the violence were, in the city of fine. I remember that
0: the swearing was when they were um, at D Day, right? They're like, oh, it's D Day. Everyone I know is being murdered by war. Gee, Willikers. I'm swearing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> Uh, so Janet Jackson was used as an excuse for stripping away, you know, actual content from our media.
1: Yes. So terrible men and Christian right-wing organizations use Janet Jackson for things they basically wanted to do anyway. Hmm. And that's the only time that's ever happened in U.S. history. And you shouldn't listen to our show. Yeah. It's
0: we've done no other episodes this is the only story that we're going to talk about this theme doesn't occur at any other time we will be taking no questions and we're done (laughs) thank you